I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, Geeky Knees? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two nerds sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. I am a very tired Jordan Ferguson. And I am a very upbeat and often jolly Kayla McKinnon. And there are many ways you can get all your fill of my exhaustion and Caitlin's jolliness. That's by going to one of the two places where you can listen to our podcast. Really, two. Yeah. Soundcloud.com slash geekdownpod. You will be notified every time a new episode goes live. If while you're there, you're like, I don't want to check this all the time. Or I don't even, I just want the podcast immediately. I have things to do. I'm a busy individual. While you're at SoundCloud, you'll see a little tab that says subscribe. Tap that, takes you to iTunes. While you're at iTunes, click subscribe. And amazingly, magically, wonderfully. The never exhausted and the not quite jolly. Chauncey the internet elf. Hops on his... (laughs) suddenly i'm picturing him on a surfboard of some sort oh oh it's got to be like the back to the future hoverboard (laughs) chauncey has a hoverboard yep well chauncey hops on his fluorescent hoverboard with a bag full of geek down episodes and hits the air to start doing it to you in your ear hole and you said you didn't like puns (laughs) you know who loves getting it in his ear hole who travis ion hi travis travis ion Always on the Twitter every time a new episode goes live. Super happy that the episode got done mad early last week. And like <laughs> it was up and ready at like 6 a.m. Uh, Tuesday morning. So he had it on his early morning commute. Thank you to all the the fans and friends of the show who keep us in line. Yeah, y'all are collecting receipts. It's really <laughs> it's really bad news for a couple of scatterbrains who try to do a podcast. <laughs> um, one of the receipts that was collected um, was about a contest that i announced caitlin went off book one day and decided she wanted to start a contest and then forgot about it which is cool in the moment but when these things live on the internet forever and people go back to them they're like whatever they don't remember them never talking about a contest so um there will be an announcement about the contest next episode so make sure you come back and and tune in because it's going to be full of uh, a wonderful prize. Don't come at me. This is this is wholly a Kate McKinnon production. Um, I believe it before you called it a McKinnon endeavor. <laughs> McKinnon endeavor. I am McKindeavor. I have no. I have no stakes in this. I don't know what she's planning. I don't know what she's doing. Um, but I am planning. So um, definitely come back and listen to that. Um, also, if you are interested about it and you want to tell other people about this possible contest that hopefully Caitlin won't forget about, um, you can do that on all the many social medias we're on. Yes, we have the Twitter, which is at GeekDownPod. We have an email address, which is GeekDownPod at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook group, which is at www.facebook.com forward slash GeekDownPod. And if you're the sort of person who's just out there in the world and you're like, what is wrong with my pants? They are too low. Something is weighing them down. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, this is really uncomfortable. I really wish I could find a way to make them not so heavy. There's like this clanking around. You might be suffering from too much money. Yeah. Just having just too much money around. Same goes with like if you find that your your couch is kind of hard to move mm-hmm. um, or it rattles when you sit on it. You could just have way too much money. You could be suffering purchase. from too much money. Yeah. Money will just get everywhere. Yeah, it's and once awful. once it's out there, you, you're stuck with it. 
But we got the medicine. And this is no snake oil, folks. Patreon.com slash GeekDownPod. We can't take all of it. Listen, we are not your one-stop shop to deal with your surplus money problem. But we can relieve the symptoms. We can take some of it. And we'll do that for you. Because we love you. We do. And we appreciate you. We do. And you can get all the information about that. Patreon.com slash GeekDownPod. Also, to everyone who already supports us, uh, you guys are awesome. And thank you very much. You guys are awesome. And probably very light on your feet. Yeah. You probably have this sense of airiness to you. It's springtime. The sun is out. Yeah. You're skipping and trailing out in these streets. And you don't have to worry about uh, hard metal objects flying from you. It's like, oh my God, my, I'm getting through metal detectors problem free. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopping up and pirouetting on planters on the street. Just everything everything's coming up you listener yeah so all thanks to patreon.com slash geekdownpod i'm glad we could help each other this is a good bit i like this (laughs) (laughs) um so listeners i'm exhausted he is why are you exhausted jordan because i made the call i don't know how else i would have done it i probably would have been more exhausted had i slept but I, i directly came off an overnight uh last night the last overnight I did four in a row and came off it. And now I'm here doing this episode, but friends, we're going to try to keep it light and tight today because I want Caitlin to get the fuck out of here so I can go to sleep because I'm now starting a four day weekend. Why is this even more exciting for me? Why is this more exciting for you to have a four day weekend? It's vacation pay cash out week. Oh my God. Friends, brief business talk. If you work for a company, perhaps a major Canadian retailer, Mm -hmm. they, as regulated by law, I suppose, are required to uh, put a little money aside, a percentage of whatever you make with the company, and that's your vacation pay. Yep. Because you don't get paid vacation when you're, frankly, a plebe. Um, You get vacation pay. Some people forget about their vacation pay. Just forget it's even there because yep. they can't take vacations. Uh, I do not. And I cash it out myself frequently. And sometimes it helps me do things like eat or, you know, just enjoy life. But as if you have not touched it, if you have vacation pay banked in banked in your account with the company, come the end of the fiscal year, they have to pay it out. Yep. It cannot roll over. So you get, it's the only time of the year where us employees of major Canadian retailer get to experience what weekly income is like. It's amazing. I remember the good old days of vacation pay. So it's like bonus income. Yeah. So I now have, you know, I just, I plan my month out, you know, I'm, I'm a responsible boy mm-hmm. usually, but I am just now here, here's a wad, here's a wad of cash Yeah. that you weren't expecting. It's also, it's like when normal people are able to save money. Yeah. But us um, lowly individuals who who don't who make under the living wage um we don't really get to experience <laughs> that i do start an rsp <laughs> plan for my future uh, what the fuck RSP. what are we talking about here come God, on what even is that um <laughs> rerun serialized programming yeah that sounds about right television in the summer right yeah, That's that what could it is, be right? the only thing it could possibly be that would have any relevance on my life the point is slamming the table i currently have some of money that I could spend and would no way impact my ability to pay my rent, mm-hmm. feed myself, or mm-hmm. anything else, mm-hmm. I could purchase a PlayStation 4 <gasps> and a copy of Grand Theft Auto Five. Oh, my God. 
I still don't feel good about this and I probably won't. Yeah, because it's not a responsible thing to it's do. It's really not. Here are some of the things I may do instead, which will all cost less than a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I immediately went to Amazon and got up to the up to the you know submit order right. stage, just so I could see what it costs. And it was going to cost four eighteen. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of fucking. That's money. a lot of money. Um, and that's like you know, the system is on sale at that point. Like yeah, that's like that, super sale. That's like that's like the slim. 500 gig PlayStation mm-hmm. 4 with a copy of Uncharted, you know, the Amazon like bundle. That's 300 right there. Um, but then you got like 70 bucks for Grand Theft Auto 5, which uh, maybe I could. $70. That's new. I mean, maybe I could, you know, hit out in these streets on like an EB or something and find yeah. a used copy and maybe get it for 40 or 50. Um, but still, then you're at 350, then your taxes and everything else, and mm-hmm. you're still at like $400. Ugh. So maybe not right now. Other things. I th- could very possibly do with this. Um, go see the homie Hisa tomorrow. Yeah. At most. Does he know how often you bring him up on the show? No. <laughs> I may take a selfie with him tomorrow if I run through. Um, he's, <laughs> he's taken to sending me uh, risque photos he finds on Instagram again. Which is Great. My, love waking up in the morning. It's like, why is Hisa? Why is Hisa message sending me DMs on Instagram? Oh, boobs. Cool. Uh, Such a weird thing to do, but <laughs> I mean, teach their own. I, I, I didn't ask for it. <laughs> just one day I woke up and you started doing this, and I'm like, "Well, this is a good relationship to build for my music collection." <laughs> so, so I can go see the homie Hisa, mm-hmm. and even if I ball the fuck out, yeah, even if I'm like, that's that's money, people. That, that's that's making it. I'm, I'm making it rain right there. That's the bills, and they are. Um... That's that's even way too much. It was like. There, that's the amount of pills. And it's like, like five bucks. Light like, drizzle. Yeah. We're not making it rain. It's no. like a mist. Like a light mist. <laughs> um, but even if I made it mist, yeah. much less than a PlayStation 4. I could even make it mist at Cosmos and do the other thing, which I was thinking that maybe some of this money could go towards. Uh, the new Kendrick Lamar album came out last night. Okay. Uh, and I was trying to check it out. And free Spotify... <laughs> Was really fucking digging into me with suggested tracks. Yep. It's like, can I just listen to the fucking... No, I'm out of skips. No, you want to play me a J. Cole song for no reason when I'm trying to... Yeah, no, maybe. Yep. Maybe Ugh. maybe some $10 a month from my vacation pay can... Hey, hey, stop down on the table. Can go... <laughs> really, he really, he really, really wants to in. tap on the table. He's really digging into me last night. Um, so these are things I may do. This, so- is, this is the Black Mirror episode where you can't <laughs> skip the commercials. So I'm 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 still disheartened because I just feel like like we know I love Grand Theft Auto Four and Red Dead Two is gonna come out. I still never played Arkham Knight. Like there there are many games out there that I have not played. But I frankly don't know how I have time to do ninety percent of the things I want to do now. Anyway, yeah, that's how I feel about television. There are so many television shows I still haven't watched, and like sec- second seasons are being announced. I'm like, oh god, I haven't even watched the first one yet. Like. Yeah, I was super into Borderlands a couple of weeks ago. I haven't played Borderlands all week. I just yeah. haven't had time. So it really seems it really seems irresponsible. It breaks my heart that I have, you know, even this modicum of social responsibility for myself. It's okay, Jordan. Thank you. We're grown ups. Uh, we can't watch all the television. We gonna try though. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um So I'm just looking forward to my four day weekend going out and playing. I might see I might hang out with with Mr. Kaimdar this weekend at some point. Oh. I haven't seen him in forever. I haven't seen Kaimdar forever either. So, yes. Makes it sense. Hopefully making some plans there. What are you doing with your with your holiday weekend? You get, you get a couple days? 
Um, I get today off. I have to be back at work on Monday. That's it? Yeah. Damn, even I got more than you. Wow, thanks. So yeah, no, I I only get the the one day. I'm seeing some family. Um, my best friend from Vancouver is coming to Toronto. By the time this episode gets released, she will have already. She's here. Oh, she's not here yet. No, I she's com- she was here she's coming now. tomorrow. Ah. Um, picking her up at Hamilton Airport. Uh, I'm super excited because I haven't seen her in forever. Pause. Yeah. Hamilton has an airport. It does. I was not aware. Uh, lots of things fly out of there. Lots of cargo stuff flies out of mm. out of Hamilton Airport. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm ex- super excited she's coming, and um, the weekend following this episode, I'm going to get to hang out with her a little bit more. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, but it's just you know I'm happy I get to see a, a friend because I don't have very many friends, <laughs> and oh. I don't really hang out with oh, them boo-boo. much. I really want to like you mentioned Kaim. I'd really like to ca- hang out with Kaim. I'd like to hang out with Gina. Uh, there are people that I don't get to see very often because I don't live in Toronto. Um, God, I haven't talked to Gina in forever. Hi, Gina, by the way. Uh, <laughs> What's if up, Gina, if you're still listening? If you're, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm doing some Eastery dinner plans with family. Um, it's very... Uh, I'm with, with the the senior correspondence family who are Italian. So it's churchy. Yeah. I actually, um, not, and I'm not, won't be going to church this year. I did last year. Uh, it was an interesting time. Oh man. You know what I'm not doing today? What? Going to church. <laughs> it's good Friday as we record this y'all. And let me tell you, there was one year my, my parents went on a cruise mm-hmm. for like their the 40th anniversary or mm-hmm. something. It was on good Friday. It was the Easter season when they were down there. And I remember like, posting on social media like if there there better be a chapel on that on that cruise ship for all the years i was like had the day off from school went to go play with my friends had to leave by like one in the afternoon so i could go sit in church on good friday for three hours you sound so bitter about oh it. Oh my god, Good Friday Mass is the worst. Um I the worst. I have as we know, I don't have a lot of experience going to church because I wasn't part of a church family. You get dragged Good Friday Mass with the in-laws? Uh, no, no. We've gone Just to Sunday. Sunday. I mean, I, I would happily go because I find it really interesting. Easter Sunday is fine. That's like the typical hour Mass. Right? No, no, no. I mean, I would be really interested in going to the Friday. I just find it really fascinating. Oh, shit. Well, we'll wrap this up and you can still make it. There's a church around the corner from Except here. my family is having their Easter get-together <laughs> Uh, this evening, so that will not be happening because my family is not religious. Okay. They're a bunch of heathens. You can watch the whole passion play play out in front of you, and uh, you kiss or the, passion tableaus as I've heard about kiss the cross and all that business. Um, it's uh, back home, back home meaning the actual town I grew up in, mm. Amherstburg, also very high Italian population. Um, it's definitely that thing where like. The Italian community gets together and basically, you know, some dude carries a cross dressed up like Jesus through the town. Like, That's amazing. That that whole thing. I find that kind of fascinating. Um, and this is coming from a very, like, historical, no. <laughs> uh, sociological... <laughs> That's where your interest lies. ...interest point. Um, but yeah, so those are the those are the plans. Um, I Nothing nothing else much. I, I'm a lot of cleaning. A lot of cleaning to do. Yeah, I'm avoiding that. I did my tour finally cleaning my bathtub last weekend so um. you gotta do some spring cleaning though huh you gotta do spring cleaning why because if you don't do spring cleaning then summer gets too busy and it's too hot to clean and then fall comes on and all of a sudden it's also really busy and then you have all the events you get like uh you know start of like 
the, that kind of school time getting you have to go shopping so you have to buy some sweaters and then all of a sudden you've got thanksgiving and you got halloween and you've got christmas and all of a sudden it's winter again yeah i'm gonna do it next week see spring clean but not this weekend um yes so on to on to news i think because i don't think we got much else to talk about we we actually do. I just want to put this out there for the people that they something they can look forward to, both free and patron listeners of the show. So this has been something that I've been bandied about for a while. Okay. Between myself and uh, and the the good friend of mine, colloquially known as the kid, mm-hmm. that she really wanted to go to Canada's largest fan run not for profit anime convention, Anime North. And the debate has been. She kind of wants to do a whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Your man's is like, maybe Saturday. <laughs> maybe just Saturday. Mm-hmm. My thinking was, I didn't want to take the time off work. Yeah. To you know, have to take the Friday off and the Sunday off. And I started mulling it about. And I was like, but here's the thing. Like, I'm not going to work Friday night and then go to a convention. Look at me now. Like, Yeah, you look I'm pretty. Ri- uh... I'm ridiculous. Oh, yes. We are definitely like, this is straight pajama mode. Like, <laughs> we are hobo. We are we are co- we are code hobo in the geek, in the poly pocket today. So yeah, I'm not going to work an overnight on Friday night. Get home and then like go way the fuck out by the airport to go to this convention. Yeah. I'm going to take the Friday off anyway, mm-hmm. which means I work Thursday. I can sleep during the day. The con doesn't start proper on Friday till like five or six anyway. Yeah. So I could still do that. Uh, and the cost wasn't that much more expensive, but the kid hits me up on on via text this week and is like. So I was thinking, like, is the whole, like, Anime North thing, like, weekend versus Saturday, like, the cost thing? I was like, no, it's not really cost. It was, and I told her everything I just said. And she's like, uh, well, I'll be buying your ticket anyway. I'm like, why are you buying my ticket? Somebody owes me a Christmas present. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm going to all three days of Anime oh, North next what month. what have you done? <laughs> oh, my God. What have you done? So, I have yet to figure out how... This is obviously going to make for fantastic pod fodder. Oh, yeah. I don't know how yet. It might just be like, you know, a bunch of voice memos I take <laughs> on my phone with people I encounter there. Um, definitely my goal is to go to the dankest panels I can find. Like, I looked at the programming from last year. Yeah. And there was definitely a panel called How to Life. <gasps> oh. No, there are panels for like, for like weebs to learn how to live and like not be stupid jackasses really those are the ones i want yeah there's one about like how to be a good fan which basically means like you know don't be a fucking douchebag online oh my god these are the panels i want to go to so amazing and apparently i have i have an in from a very weird place which you don't need to get into i'll tell you off mic but to something called anime hell okay which it runs at this runs at a bunch of conventions i guess which is just um i think so anime hell i think is like they just try to find the worst shit they can find (laughs) The most poorly animated, most terrible fan service, the grossest. Yeah. And they just, like, they call it hell because you have to sit and watch this shit for an hour oh. and you want to gouge your eyes out. And apparently a, a friend of a friend runs this and our mutual friend was really excited to link us up through this. So apparently I have to go to Anime Hell as well to, That's fantastic. to, to network. Um, also undecided, guess who lives near the airport and is like, it make your life so much easier. You just stay at our house. Who? Stupid man. <laughs> Hey, Stupid Matt! You get to hang out with Matt the whole oh time. Oh my god. <laughs> Me and the kid staying at Stupid Matt's house all weekend. That breaking sounds... out to go to Anime North, which is like 10 minutes away from where they live. That sounds amazing. So, it's gonna be something. 
going to be like you're in your 20s again. Oh, my God. I'm going to be the oldest fuck there. <laughs> oh, might, no, you are not. I might even cosplay, y'all. What? We might go one day as her as Mako from Kill the Kill. Yeah. And me as Mako's dad, <laughs> which is a really like low key, like it's just like a cardigan, some plaid shorts and some slippers. Yep. That's basically my whole jam. Really looking forward when the people, other people at the con are like, it's so sweet. You would do this with your daughter. I'd be like, funny story about that. <laughs> we don't need to get into it right now. Not my daughter. Uh, <laughs> I just, this is, this is a great place for me. I like, I'm like going to go here all the time now. <laughs> oh, kid, you got to make him do this. Oh, God. Tell the people some news, Caitlin. Oh, geez. Um, I just need a second to like. She's literally wiping her eyes right now. Uh, I just need a second. Wow, to... she's actually missed it up. This idea, <laughs> <laughs> this image has made her cry. Uh, okay, all right. If this happens, I need uh, pictures. Oh, I need um, all the pictures. I don't think I can escape that. Okay, all right. Um, well, on to speaking of anime and amazing things. <laughs> okay, and and things that make me just happy super super happy um sailor moon lipstick a japanese makeup company called career beauty Uh um they are releasing uh sailor moon lipstick so each lipstick is basically like their pens that they have dope um and they change color depending on your hp balance huh yeah amazing um the lipstick or the 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 lipstick container the tube lipstick the lipstick itself lipstick is interesting is is color changing lipstick because that was always the that was always the last part of their transformations yeah it was the best part of their transformation what a time to be alive um apparently uh they will be releasing these lipsticks in july 2017 so very soon and uh they will cost uh 3024 yen which is 28 dollars us so Plus shipping and stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna say like thirty five, forty dollars Canadian. Yes, yeah, like so that. so it's expensive. But if you you should look these up again. The, the company is called Career Beauty, which is C R E E R, and then Beauty is B E A U T E. Um, beauty. Beauty. Um, look them up. See how much it'll cost. And if you're a big diehard fan, you definitely need to own these. They look fantastic. Like just the outside looks fantastic. I have no idea what the lipstick's gonna look like, but uh, it don't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. Because you could just walk around and just like, you know, pretend you're transforming at all times on the subway, <laughs> walking your dog, you know, doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, that's that's the good. It's I just wanted to start us off with something that was happy and exciting. Oh lord, I'm looking at my list and it's like I have nothing happy. Do you have something else happy? <laughs> I do. I have. I can. I get the back end can be happy as well. Okay, so we'll save it. We'll save it. All right. Uh, I'll run through mine real quick. One will be maybe a little long, but I'll do it as quickly as possible. Um, first and foremost, you got to say rest in peace to Charlie Murphy. I am actually really upset about that. I did not know he died this week at age 57 uh, after a battle with leukemia that I did not even know it was a battle he no, was in. I didn't um, either. The dude could tell a story. It alarms me to think that, you know, we've mentioned before on the show, I think that they're, you know, it's possible there's a generation of people who don't know what Chappelle's show is. Yeah. But, like, if you don't know what Chappelle's show is, like, 
go back. The bare minimum is to like go back and watch, you know, the Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood stories. Which I, I know this is going to be really controversial that I'm saying this, but I think Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood stories was the best part of the Chappelle show. Oh, definitely. I don't think that's. I don't think that's really up for debate. It was okay. such a because I that was always my favorite when I saw that he so the the um uh the first one came out and then he did the one with um I think Rick James was first yeah Rick James was first and then um and Prince came after the when I when he came up and it was like it's time for uh, <laughs> True Hollywood Stories Charlie Murphy I was like <gasps> I was so excited and when it was a Prince story I was absolutely over the moon i was so excited because the first one was so good um yeah one of the best images i saw was just it was clearly like you know the pearly gates and it was somebody's hip with a basketball Mm -hmm. and then that's the camera was behind like the basketball and you saw in the distance like prince holding a plate of pancakes (laughs) um but even just in general the the dude could fucking spin a yarn like i mentioned on facebook i think that um there's a podcast called The Champs, which is now done, but their archives are still available on iTunes. Go back and find Charlie's uh, Charlie's episode, because The Champs was um, co-hosted by Neil Brennan, who's co-creator of Chappelle's show. We talked about his special three mics mm-hmm. on our show a while back. Um, so, I mean, he has a relationship with Charlie from way back, and just two dudes who've known each other for years, like, bullshitting, chit-chatting, and Charlie gets into even more stories about, like... What it was like, like being Eddie's, you know, head of security. So yeah, go watch the Chappelle show stuff. Not even the true Hollywood, just the true Hollywood story stuff. Go back and watch like the player haters ball. Yeah. I just, I I honestly feel like. Go back and watch CB4, which was a old Chris Rock movie he was in like in the, in the eighties. In the eighties? Yeah. I just feel like there's been a lot of celebrity deaths that have been really relatively young ages 57 is like yeah that's that's prime of your life like i'm closer to that than i am a lot of other ages so i love that anyway that's fuckery number one you want fuckery number two uh i guess so i didn't tell caitlin about caitlin doesn't know what's coming right now no because i really wanted her take as an outsider because a lot of the takes i've been hearing about this story are very insular you know they're from a place within they're coming from the same place the story emerges from. Yeah. Okay. So. I'm, I am stealing myself. So this is a wrestling story. Okay. Not about wrestlers. Okay. But about the weird things that happen when a business and industry and, to my mind, art form that is rooted in carny traditions. Yeah. Tries to exist in the corporate public shareholder environment. Okay. And how those things sort of clash. So, uh, as has come up on the show before, within the last year, the WWE split their roster into two shows. Mm -hmm. They have two shows, one on Monday, one on Tuesday, different, totally different shows, different performers, different everything between the two shows. No crossover. You watch the Monday night show, you see one group of performers. You watch the Tuesday night show, you see an entirely different group of performers. So when they did this split, they had to uh, hire some extra personnel. One of the people they hired was this announcer named Mauro Ranallo. Okay. Mauro comes from the quote-unquote world of real sports. 
called... I actually know all about this story. Do you know about this story already? Yeah. Have I, you already read I it? I read a whole bunch of stuff about it. Well, for... The, <laughs> Only... You. This is because of you. I you. would have never listened or watched <laughs> a wrestling story I'll get or your take read. It. I'll get your take in a minute. Before the listeners, Mario Ronaldo came from the world of real sports. He called... He was a commentator for play-by-play guy for MMA. He called the... Uh, he did a lot of work for Showtime in the States and their boxing sports coverage. He called the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, which is probably one of the biggest sport spectacles of the last like 10 years mm-hmm. but he always kind of wanted to work for the wwe he yeah. always kind of like loved wrestling and loved that so he gets hired to be the play-by-play guy on the tuesday night show and from what i've heard he was fantastic he was amazing and he brought a real different kind of vibe to it he knew the name of every hold and this is like an approach that's kind of been downgraded like the guy on monday night michael cole yeah he can do that but he doesn't usually like and announcing for the WWE is, I've always heard, it's been, I think, been well established, it's a nightmare, because Vince McMahon is constantly in the headset trying to direct what you're saying. Right. Not everybody can hang with that. But yeah, so Morrow knew the name of every hold. He gave this real, like, air of, like, professionalism. He got super amped all the time. He was super excitable. Like, yeah. It's like the guy who says holy mackina at, at the <laughs> hockey games, right? Like, Like, I saw, I watched a clip. It was just like a 10-second clip, but he was just on everything he would throw in a lot of pop culture references right um which some people found irritating but i always kind of liked like there was the clip i saw was john cena was taking a guy up to uh he was going to do his finisher off the top rope you know ooh, extra extra savageness and as he's like kind of laddering up the uh the ropes where i was like going nothing can stop him he's all the way up (laughs) which is a reference to a rap song and then he does the move and they go it's a two count and at the last second his opponent like kicks out and Marl's yeah. just like conjoin twins close <laughs> like he would do shit like that uh, um morrow also suffers from bipolar disorder yes and has been very open about this he has referred to himself as the bipolar rock and roller that like, is amazing he has done his own work himself to try and destigmatize mental illness this you know sick not weak that yeah. whole that whole sort of thing so morrow gets paired on the show with a guy named john bradshaw layfield or just john layfield or jbl as he's known professionally yes. was a wrestler for a long time uh now does just straight commentary and his role has always been the quote-unquote heel most announcer announcing teams with wrestling you have the play-by-play guy Mm-hmm. who's calling the action in the ring and he kind of does the good guy role mm-hmm. and then you have the color commentator who is kind of a dick that has always not in all sports but for no for wrestling for like the oh, sake yeah, of the okay. show you have a color commentator who tends to side with the bad guy in the ring yeah and you know loves it when they cheat and, you know tries to put over the bad guys and the play-by-play guy tries to put over the good guys right you know Add to the theater. It's like the little angels on either shoulder. Yeah. Or devils, rather. Yeah. I mean, then, like, the classic, the classic, I guess, is, like, from the 80s, is, like, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. Like, they would always kind of bicker with each other at the same time, sort of thing. Um, It's like, you know it's not right that he was doing that. Oh, shut your yap, Monsoon. Like, (laughs) that sort of thing. I feel like it would make baseball a lot more interesting if (laughs) there were two guys like that. Any sport a whole lot (laughs) much more interesting. Um, But anyway, the other thing with JBL, notorious for being a dick. Yes. I was I some of the things I read were sort of accounts of some of the other stuff he'd done to other people. And what makes it more interesting, disheartening, what have you, is that he's seems to be emboldened, enabled, given clearance by Vince McMahon. 
Yeah, which uh, for, uh, I know we bring Vince McMahon up a, a lot, but if you have no idea about wrestling, Vince McMahon is the guy. He's he's the head. He he still he's like seventy. He runs the WWE with you, like an you, iron fist. If you were watching it as a kid, yeah. If you're watching Hulk Hogan versus Andre as a kid, he was running it then. Or Jake like, the Snake, who is my favorite. If you're watching Jake the Snake, he was running it then. He's always running. He's backed off a little bit, I think, but I mean, everything stops with Vince. Yeah. No decision gets made without Vince's. No, it, he's uh, a micromanager too, so. And JBL is one of these old school guys who comes from the days of, you know, the territories where the promotions were much smaller and worked much smaller areas of the country. And sometimes you had to, quote, break new guys. You had to break new guys in. So there was hazing. So there was bullying. So there was testing a guy's metal. Because back in those days, when it was like not a given that it was a quote work, meaning a, you know not not real right uh, fight, you had to test a guy to see like you know if there's a riot, are you going to run or are you going to stand with the boys? Type of thing. I guess you don't really need to. Okay. Anyways, do you still need to do that now? Is the point of all of this that? It comes back around to. So anyway, that's JBL's role. He always busts people's balls. Some of his greatest hits um, that have come up recently in the light of the Morrow story, which we'll get to what has been the developments there in a minute. Um, he maybe would like kill the lights on a dude while he was showering and roll up and kind of like lather his ass while. That is sexual harassment. Yeah. Or work snug. Which just means, you know, really hit a guy. Oh, um, that's not cool. And like, I, you know, one story is like, and, and this is like when it works ideally, <laughs> I guess. Uh, one story that was told by a guy, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, who had come from another promotion. And it was one of his first matches in the WWE. Vince pairs him up with Bradshaw and he basically tells Bradshaw, like, you know, test him out. Which means like, really give it to him. Mm-hmm. So Bubba's like, I get out there and Bradshaw just, you know, stiffs me. So I stiff them back and for like, you know, the next 10 minutes, it's just us just really clobbering each other. And then we both kind of like start laughing and finish the match. And JBL goes to the back. And he's like, yeah, they're fine. That's when it works at its best. You know, when it works at its worst, <laughs> I'm not endorsing. Sorry, you, ca- you can't see it, audience. I just gave this like head shake where I was like, don't mistake what? it for don't mistake it for an endorsement. I'm just saying like that. That's how it works at its quote best at its worst. It's like this ring announcer. A guy named Justin Roberts who wrote a book this year. So, I mean, listen, he's got a book out. I'm sure he's more than happy to have JBL stories to tell to try and push his book. Let's be honest there. The fact remains, the allegations are in there that have been kind of corroborated that, for whatever reason, JBL didn't like this dude. And tried to direct these other two wrestlers to steal the dude's passport while they were overseas. He did. Yeah. And Justin Roberts had to go to the embassy. He had to miss his flight. He couldn't catch his flight. He had to go to the American embassy, get vetted, get papers or whatever, so he could fly back and go straight to TV and see this dude again. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, you made it, huh? Did you make your flight? And that's Vince saying that, you know? Yeah. Because Vince is always kind of low-key in it, in on it, because he likes this shit. Anyway, everything that I'm about to say comes with the, like, we don't know for a fact. These are just things that happened. So Mario Ronaldo has not been on TV. Yeah. For the last few weeks. Yeah. And then he was like, not at WrestleMania. 
And there was all this like... Which is like their Super Bowl. Why would he not be at WrestleMania? And there was all this like, oh, he couldn't... He missed his flight or there was something... First they said it was the weather. Yeah, because yeah. it was that the, the week there was a snowstorm on the East Coast. And they said his flight, his flight got canceled. And that's why he didn't come. And they kind of leaned into, well, it's, it's health related. Mm-hmm. And everybody immediately went to... Well, he's been very open about his struggles with mental illness, so is it something like that? Is he dealing with that? And then it was like, well, he's not coming back. Yeah. Which made people go, oh, well, he always said this was his dream, and he's probably being very paid very handsomely to do it. Yeah. Something must have happened. And the only thing that people have made connections to that is out there is JBL's reputation and this moment a few months ago where Mauro Ronello retweeted... So the result of some poll from a, quote, dirt sheet, you know, one of these newsletters, online websites that, you know, exposes the business and writes stories about backstage shit, gossip and things at the company. They're not looked on favorably. I've never heard of that term before. Dirt sheets? Yeah. Dirt sheets. They publish the dirt. It used to be like just a sheet back in the day, but now they're websites and blogs and podcasts and everything else. Yeah. Like a tabloid, basically. Tabloid for the wrestling industry. Um, But they were the only places that would, you know, publish backstage dirt yeah and expose the business which is the number one no-no right you know you just protect the business and they held some whether it was a reader poll or just the staff at the newsletter or whatever they voted that Ronaldo was the best you know announcer of the year Ronaldo retweets that right i've heard both sides so i'm saying that why wouldn't he be proud of that if yeah. it was his first year in other people have said why would you do that and bury the other people you're working with at the same time that's not burying the other people you're working with on the other hand why do the people you work with care that much right they should be happy for you <laughs> well be that as it may there was a uh you know wwe has this weird blurring the lines kind of like sports roundtable show yeah and jbl is a panelist on it and on this show he kind of went off on morrow's social media habits and kind of alluded to retweeting that, like that that got him hot. Like he didn't think that was that was a cool move. We don't know what might have happened between these two after yeah. that, or what JBL's behavior was like after that. I'm really not even that concerned about this instance in particular. I do think it's if this dude's behavior pushed Mauro Ronaldo out of the company, where he's just like, "Fuck it, it's not worth it. I don't want to do it anymore." Mauro Ronaldo brought more, had a bigger upside frankly in my opinion than jbl did yeah jbl's just a heel commentator he doesn't really do anything yeah morrow's the guy who's like describing the action in the ring he was a bigger asset i'm more concerned with the culture that allows this to happen you can say like oh it's just you know conjecture and rumor type of thing when it comes to jbl but if it walks like an asshole and it talks like an asshole it's probably an asshole like Mm -hmm. you don't have these repeated stories the the backflips i have seen people try to do who under any other circumstance would like not be cool with this sort of behavior yeah but because it's like, well, that's the business. And do you want anybody who's like, basically, do you want anybody who's that soft in the business? People should be tested like that. People, mm, maybe back in the days of, you know, tents and circuses. Maybe. Maybe. Still wouldn't have been cool, but it was a different time back then. You wonder, you know, I know Vince McMahon wonders why he will never be taken seriously. Does as, he actually wonder that? I think he does. There's a reason they changed the name of the company to World Wrestling Entertainment. He wants to be seen as like a studio. Like he wants to make well, movies. No, he they, wants to they make had TV. To, they had to do that because they had, went to court with WWF. It was both. It was really about one logo. They could have gone back to their old logo and been fine and kept the name. Right. Um, but Vince just said, F it. We're World, Re- we're world Wrestling Entertainment now. And sorry, by WWF, I mean World Wildlife. World Wildlife Fund. Um, 
but it's just it's the culture of the place that just can't let go of its carny roots you know yeah you can't have it both ways if you want to employ dicks and assholes who are gonna you know because you think that's protecting the product and you know this i'm sorry this is exactly this is exactly like comic books if you want to employ awful people then and wonder why your sales are awful because your comics are awful because awful people are running your comics like it's you're gonna if you want if you want a bigger audience if you want people to to be reading your comics then you need to look at who's making your comics um, if you want a better, this is also STEM. Did you see, you see that thing about IBM? No, I didn't. They, they came out with this. I can't remember if it was IBM or Microsoft, it was probably Microsoft came out with this commercial for girls in STEM telling girls mm-hmm. not to give up. And I can't remember where the article, I don't know if it was Mary Sue or someone was like, are you fucking kidding me? No, <laughs> because it's not about girls staying in STEM, um, while they're, kids it's about getting into the industry and then being forced being out fucking driven out by your co-workers and your own hr department and awful yeah so if you want these diverse teams where you're getting you know um the best of the best that involves looking at the culture you create in your industry and i like i don't think vince mcmahon I don't think he's can change, right? I don't think I think no. he's been at it in a certain way for so long that so it's gonna there's gonna he's gonna have to die and then someone other people are gonna have to take up the reins because well the heir apparent is Triple H former wrestler Triple H who is now married oh. to Vince's daughter oh and how's has he does he does he support uh, mental health endeavors and <laughs> <laughs> I think he's still he's had his own history over the years for weird politicky behavior but. I heard him, and this is what this is what frustrates me about this story. I heard him interviewed by a broadcaster who I don't want to name. I don't care enough to name him. Um, and the broadcaster asked him, like, you know, is there anything you miss about the old days, right. the Carney type days? And Triple H basically said, like, you know, yeah, maybe I'd like to be seduced by that. Like, oh, it was better back then. But a lot of the stuff that we don't have anymore mm-hmm. are the things that embarrassed me about wrestling in the first place. Those are the remnants that, like vince and guys like jbl are still holding on to like there is a long tradition of ribbing which is just you know yeah joshing with guys or like like a perfect example of ribbing that triple h was actually involved in was like the late owen hart was one time it was like a house show so it wasn't for tv or anything owen hart was wrestling triple h and owen managed to tie triple h's boots together in the ring like that's just to fuck with them that's or owen had a lot of great stories owen tried to have a shitty match with mick foley because they were trying to make steve austin laugh Right. In the ring. So they deliberately had a shitty match where, like, Mick was wielding, like, a bag of popcorn as though it was a steel chair. <laughs> right. And Owen was receiving the hits as though it was a steel chair. <laughs> he said, I just heard Mick tell the story recently. The closest they got to making Austin break, because he would break in the back. Right. But he'd never, he'd never laugh in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, Mick started doing popcorn angels in the middle of the <laughs> ring because there was fucking popcorn everywhere. And he looked up and you could just see Austin, Austin with his, like face in his arm just heaving with laughter um it was the only time they ever got him. that's a rib you know that's yeah. having a good time that's not here's another fun example getting the cops to fake arrest somebody for running like a fantasy football league and gambling is illegal and keeping them in the back of a cop car for 20 minutes before yeah. letting him out 
that's not fun. That's a Vince classic. That was a Vince classic that aired on a on a show on the network called Storytime, where they like animate stories that they've. That's great. There's a difference. Don't wonder why you're not taken seriously as like an entertainment company when you still have stories of this fucking backwoods carny history. And I don't think it makes me less of a fucking fan to have a problem with that. This is what I go through with comic books all the time. Probably. It doesn't make me less of a fan because I want diversity and everyone holding hands. Like, I... I, It doesn't make me less of a fan because I, you know, don't want... The example I heard was, like, on this one podcast, which it should be fair, hosted by the broadcaster who I mentioned spoke to Triple H, and is now, like, after years of vying for this, Mm -hmm. is now kind of gets the occasional role. He hosts that sports round, that, you know, sports-like roundtable show with JBL. He did, like, crowd work at WrestleMania. Like, he's employed by the company now, kind of like a per-appearance basis. So he's obviously not going to say anything that's going to jeopardize that. And I don't blame him. But it was fun to watch the gymnastics he went through. Um, But at the same time, he's like, you know, do you want people who don't, you know, you got to prove that you love this business. Or do you want somebody who's, like, going to walk in and be like, oh, yeah, I like acting, so I'm going to, you know, go down to the performance center and try to be a wrestler. They do drills for 20 minutes before they're like, fuck this, I am out of here. Because even just the basics of training to be a wrestler will wipe somebody out. Like, you're proving your dedication in there. You don't need JBL to come out and stomp a fucking hole in you for real. Yeah. In the middle of a, you know, crowded arena. get you um, stranded in a foreign country. Or, you know, poke at your mental illness to the point where you can't even be around the dude yeah i've heard people say like well morrow's a grown man why didn't he say anything why didn't he like if you can't beat the guy up why don't you just take a fuck take a baseball bat and be like i'll come at me again and i'll fucking because not knock you out because not everybody because morrow because morrow is a rational individual because <laughs> he comes from a world where no other company would allow that so why yeah. would that even occur to him like he's not gonna work at showtime and go up to the fucking like <laughs> You know, production manager and be like, yo, come at me again and I'm going to fucking knock you out. That is not how it works in rational society. (laughs) Anyway, we have spent a lot on this story. You already knew about it, but I think kind of. So you're not as flabbergasted as I thought you were going to be. This is not going to be uh, light and tight like we thought it would. I'm fucking wide awake now because I'm amped. I would like to say um, to Jacqueline. Uh, newer listen, new newish listener. She's yes. been listening for a while now, um, and is a good friend of mine. Um, hi, Jacqueline. Um, that she really likes the hour and a half episode. She thinks they're perfect <laughs> amount right. of time. She doesn't want shorter episodes. So here, this one's for you, Jacqueline. We are open to that. We are always open to that discussion. But anyway, calm me down, Caitlin. Hit me with hit me with something. Happy I will. I will to wrap with, this up with something happy and and great. Uh, it's Caitlin's Astronomy Minute. It's Caitlin's Astronomy Minute. Update. Time to learn about the stars and planets. Um, so I actually have a, a one piece of news that I was really psyched to talk about. And then we have a second piece of news I didn't really know about. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you uh, a little bit about that second one. Um, after this exciting news, one of Saturn's moons, Enceladus, is coughing... "Quote unquote." This is this is NASA's use of coughing up uh-huh. ingredients for possible life. Oh, uh, so Saturn has sixty-two moons, sixty-two slut. Um, and uh, this specific moon um, has 
uh, the chemical energy for life. So what that means is it's got the building blocks of life. Um, what's really important is this moon also has a very deep under its crust has uh, water, um, which is extremely important for life. Um, it uh, the the Cassini uh, craft um, sort of dove at the moon and picked up that hydrogen gas was found to be um, bursting out of its deep icy ocean. So in cracks in the surface, um, which is super exciting because if, as uh, one of the NASA scientists put it, if you can, if we can figure out that life has started on two different places um, unrelated to one another, Mm -hmm. that means that there is definitely a chance that more and more places in our galaxy and other galaxies have life. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really always excited about stories about possible alien life. It could be just, you know, even microbes would be super exciting. I also have found um, a pattern recently of like NASA sort of putting out more and more stuff about life and exploration and because i think they're really trying to push getting funding yeah that's definitely <laughs> we we need a, we need a zinger to keep uh yeah. keep dipshit from cut well they've already cut funding and cut funding to certain missions so um i'm hoping that you know the more people who are interested and think it's a good idea to give funding to nasa um the more nasa will get speaking of other discoveries um, so this is the one Jordan actually mentioned, uh, possibly because it, Kate thought I was making a joke when yeah, I brought it up. Because it involves uh, Uranus, which <laughs> I do not say like Uranus. I say Uranus for that very reason. Um, Hubble, lovely Hubble, Hubble um, got you. has spotted something. Um, I I didn't actually look <laughs> fully at the story. So, something where, Caitlin? Uh, something coming out of Uranus. <laughs> That was what the the, boop, 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 boop. the headline was for the story. Thanks. Thank, I think it was Daily Mail or something. Use that one. <laughs> um, so it has something to do with solar winds, the planetary ionosphere, and uh, moon uh, volcanism, like volcano volcano activity. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to fully read the story. You should check it out, though, if you're interested. Suddenly, there's something shiny. I, I don't know. You can never have too much interest in Uranus. <sighs> Anyways, on that note, also always remember to get um, your proper checkups, like colon checkups for cancer. Well, that was the implication, Caitlin. I know, but I just wanted to, you know, give them the message. Colon cancer runs in my family. It's very important to go for your checkups. We were ending on a happy note, This Caitlin. is a happy note. If you go for your checkups, you could prevent dying from cancer. That is happy. Happy. Colonoscopies for everyone. Yeah, honestly. On that note. On that note. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some things we brought each other. It's going to be great. The episode's going to be like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, it is. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. Uh, this week, we've given each other things that aren't really spoilery. I mean, if you haven't seen one of them, then you should probably leave. But the other the other one's more of like a history of something. And 
It's really, there are no spoilers. It's not really, you can't I really had, spoil I it. I hadn't seen it before where you gave it to me. Well, that's do not I, even the, Do I have the, to leave? The, well, no, because you, now you have seen it. Ah. Don't count. <laughs> um, but before we get into sort of announcing what we brought each other, uh, we have some rules that we have to go over. Yeah. Um, the first one being the rule of three, which is if the thing we've given one another comes in parts or cycles or episodes or issues, you have to at least read, watch, consume three of them to give it a shot. Yes. Not really applicable this week. No. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. Hashtag save it for the pod. Do not talk about the thing and what you thought of it until you were sitting in front of these microphones. Which was very hard for me to do this week. Um, I will get into that when we talk about that thing. Um, The third rule, which really isn't a rule, it is more of a policy, is yar, there will be spoilers. This is a pro-spoiler podcast, but we're dealing with a 60 or 70-year-old movie and a telling of well-known history, so... It's not really... What what are we spoiling? Now, I would say, if you have not seen The Third Man, you should probably leave and go watch it and then come back. Sure. I, I think it's important not to know the plot when you say that, like... I guess. Yeah. Go watch it. Come back. Just trust me. Um, the other thing, yeah, you should be good. Um, we'll give you some details and there won't really be any surprises. No. Um, and, yeah. So, let's, let's go right into it. We like to alternate, so we're going to start with the thing I brought Caitlin, and that is... Listen, I kind of pulled this one out of the ether kind of came to me at the last minute when like on thursday i was like oh damn i didn't give you anything yet did i <laughs> i was like no okay, i was like no no you didn't and i gave her something and then found something i wanted to give her more yeah and tried to give her that uh but for reasons it didn't work and i was like uh eh, just go with that um but the thing he gave me will will definitely be part of next week and it's it's also kind of topical this week i think because uh having dropped with no fanfare really on Netflix last week was yeah. the second half or concluded conclusion of the first season. I don't know how they're doing it of the get down. Yeah. And this covers a lot of the same ground in many respects. Uh, it is the Eisner award winning comic by Ed Piscor hip hop family tree. Yeah. This is a started in 2013, 2015 started in 2013 <laughs> as I believe just a single page web comic web comic okay which if i'm if i'm a gambling man i'm trying to forecast some some storytelling issues caitlin might have had with this okay that may be part of it because it was initially kind of told in single page chunks i think it started on boing boing of all places like oh okay it yeah. got published on there uh now it comes out from fantagraphics books the legendary alt literary comics publisher um there are now i think four oversized volumes collections right and they also do these kind of single issue collections as well so that said caitlin only read one of them yes they are quite large they are beefy yeah they're, they're even at even as a single issue they are pretty beefy and pretty dense and there's a lot of information flying around there mm-hmm. so what this is is it is a comic visual history of the origins of hip-hop yeah. Like the actual origins, like 1970s in the Bronx. Like when you watch the get down, that's the era we are dealing with. Which, before we get into this, okay, I need to go on a bit of a Caitlin rant. Oh, shit. All right. I was not prepared, friends. Um, So, Baz Luhrmann and 
makers of the get down. Yes. Um, I, I have to ask before I get into the rant, cause it might cut my rant short. Did anybody who work on this comic work on the get down? I don't think so. No. Why would you not just use this comic? <laughs> Why make up a story when the story of the history of hip hop is so interesting on its own? See, and I remember you had mentioned something to that extent. I don't know if we were talking about the get down and you said we something similar where you were like, I don't need the love story of books and what's her face. Like, no. like the story itself is I want something to tell the actual history. Yeah, I don't need a love story. I don't need to know about disco or I mean, like maybe a bit about like how disco died or whatnot or how disco had some influence, but I didn't need this whole other love story. It really feels forced in the get down because the story of the history, the story, the the characters of the you know, rise and very quick evolution of the mm. beginnings of hip hop is so interesting. Um, well, so, slow it down. Let me let me finish setting this. Uh, up. That that I just feel like, especially when this already exists and some of the characters are they're the same characters, yeah. um, and you can see where the influence for some of the characters come from. There is even a scene where you see one of these like proto DJs, like one of the first DJs, pointing out like. You see a scene, it's like a two-panel scene, where it's, as he's running through all the DJs that were coming up in the different boroughs, I don't remember. There's a lot of characters in this book, so I don't remember which one it was, but it's, he literally says, if you look close, you can see that's the get down part. Yeah. Um, On a record. On a record. And so I don't understand, it makes me really angry, actually, (laughs) um, that they did not just use the source material. But anyways. Caitlin's like, F the get down, she would much rather have HBO do Hip Hop Family Tree. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, So I don't even think I said who this is by. This is by a guy named Ed Piscor. He does... You did say, you said he was award winning. He's Eisner award winning, yes. Uh, He does everything on this book. Um, (laughs) Frames his credit pages... uh, in the classic Marvel style where he puts like a, mm-hmm. like a written by Ed Pisker, drawn by Ed Pisker, inks by Ed Pisker, but it's always like exciting Ed Pisker, <laughs> yeah. eccentric Ed Pisker. <laughs> like, yeah. um, previously he went to the the Kubert school, uh, which longtime comics readers will always remember being advertised in the back pages of, of comic <laughs> books, Marvel comics. He went to that school. He met a lot of you know the legendary creators of that era. Um, he was also one of the illustrators on Harvey Picar's uh, American Splendor for a while. Okay. He came up kind of in the underground and doing mini comics. The two biggest influences on Hip Hop Family Tree, uh, by his own admission, are Robert Crumb, specifically like a like a blues and jazz series of trading cards. Mm-hmm. Robert Crumb did where he just kind of did portraits and historical facts about uh, about blues players from like the twenties. Right. Um, and he also likened it to Chris Claremont's X Men run. <laughs> From like the 80s. Oh, yeah. Because you had to juggle a million characters then, too. He took a lot of inspiration on how you juggle all these characters. Mm -hmm. Sort of thing. Because there are so many. (laughs) So many. Which, I mean, all historical, major historical events have lots of characters, right? But this is so many... um, It's it's important to mention them now because they are going to be so important to the future, Mm. right? Like, you have to drop them now or else they'll come out of nowhere. So, in the format of the... You know, single issue comic book. Like I said, this did start as kind of like a one to two page every couple weeks on Boing Boing or a website sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Also should be said, the aesthetic of the book is it's printed like to look like it was printed on cheap newspaper. Which is actually one of my only issues. (laughs) 
<laughs> but we'll get into that. It's a specific technique. I actually, it's it was mentioned on Ben Ben Day it's, it's, Ben Day dots. It's when you use their three primary colors that you yes. use, which is the yellow, the red, and the green, or is it yellow, blue, and it might, it's CMYK or RGB. I don't yeah. remember which, but uh, yeah. Piscor makes an ode to the drawings of this time with his use of Bende dots, which is like yeah. the printing and illustration technique that Caitlin just described with the dots and the primary colors, um, which is how comics were printed in like the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Which is why you get a lot of like superheroes that always wear the same colors. Yes. It's like the red, the yellow, and where, the blue. Where the red of Superman's cape sometimes fell outside the line of, yeah. of the actual drawing. Um so this is the story of hip hop. And if you, even as someone like myself who has read a lot of books about the history of hip hop, there's still a shit ton I don't know. And this is very meticulous. This starts with the things you know, like, even if you watch The Get Down, like, starts with Cool Herc. He's yep. The, he's the godfather. His party at 1520 Sedgwick in the Bronx is like the birthplace of hip hop. It yeah. deals with that, but then it branches out and it deals with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and how he met the MCs and how MCs even became a part of hip hop. Yep. It branches out to graffiti. It branches out to the record labels and the promoters mm-hmm. who started playing hip hop in their clubs and the radio DJs. Uh, it has the best depiction of Russell Simmons I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the funniest for sure. Uh, I don't know how Russell feels about having his signature lisp, lisp but you can hear Russell's voice. Yeah. If you've ever seen Russell Simmons, who was the founder of Rush Management, who was one of the first, you know, dedicated which, hip-hop management and founded Def Jam Records as which, well. Which I, I didn't know how much of part of the early history he, he had his fingers mm. in. Like, I, I didn't realize that. Um, and then I saw him and I was like, hey, it's Russell Simmons. Curtis. That's what it was. Because yeah. he was managing Curtis Blow, who was the biggest act in Queens and became one of the earliest charting rappers. Um, so I don't even remember what the first, even if you just read that first issue, I don't even remember how far it takes you to because it goes all over the place. Right about just before the Sugar Hill Gang gets yeah. formed, I think. Uh, well, see, the thing is, it, it leaves you on a cliffhanger. <laughs> and then it says, we will return in 30 days. And I immediately was like, oh, I want to read the next issue. But I have like a million other things to do and I have to cross the street now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it it, it's re- it takes you pretty far. Um, it does a really good job of laying out the history. You didn't think it jumped around too much? No. Because even having a tertiary understanding of some of these characters, like, mm-hmm. you know, I know who, like, the Funky Four and Shah Rock is. You yeah. Know, Shah Rock was one of the first, you know, female MCs. Yeah. You know, I kind of know who she is. But you're talking about all these, like, uh, what the hell? The Disco Brothers and, yep. like, all these crews from, like... Like, I mean, I might have to go back. I wouldn't be able to remember everyone's name, but... I think they he did a great job of being very he used the the medium of comics really well to go through the history. Um he also cuz it because it is a a panel by panel, he does a couple different things. He'll he'll he uses three um besides the medium of of actual the visuals he gives you. He also uses three uh, written sort of almost like mini uh, methods of giving you information mm-hmm. uh, written wise. So he'll use the top bar to sort of give you like sort of an overview. He will use the actual 
bubbles to talk about you know the characters, the characters. Speaking for themselves um and then he gives you the bottom he'll either give you more explanation or he'll give you a little bit more about the characters mm-hmm. um and i actually think that works really really well um it's almost like being able to divide something up into like um date characters why it's important mm. right which is really what you need to know from history yeah it didn't even occur to me as i was reading it but when having you lay it out like that yeah it's, it, it is really effective to be like the top bar because i think also the his layouts are pretty simple I yeah think that's also you know a tribute to the the comics of the era that he's describing um layouts were not super flashy back then they were like you know six to nine panel mm-hmm. layouts and to have it be like top bar sit you at you actual illustration and dialogue add a little color to it see it play out mm-hmm. and then bottom bar bottom text bar kind of be like what did this mean? And move on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having you lay it out like that, that, that would be very effective. Also, there are some visual gags that actually made me chuckle. <laughs> so one was um, the, the bigger and bigger sound systems. Mm. And then there's one where just like half the page is the sound system. It's just like they're really tiny in the middle and there's just like a two speaker giant speakers on either side um that made me that made me laugh and i know it's true like sound systems and and the kind of technology used was very important but just that slowly bigger and bigger sound systems meant like you could compete with the big boys um that was really cool it also confirmed something that we had talked about when we had watched the get down way back when was that you know did the blackout lead to the explosion of dj cruise yeah and it did yeah and again like what's really interesting is so when we talked about the get down we talked about what i would like to see this is what i wanted to see (laughs) i mean maybe a little bit more this is very uh, he does a balance of like being very historical and having some interesting back and forth between characters but it's not it's not a fiction right like it's not a, a story of there's no main character yeah there's no you know you're not seeing them in their family like like not there's no pov really. yeah exactly the story's not told through the eyes of one person yeah and the 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 narration is not a character it's it's very much a historical it's really detached yeah know? um and also because it's so early everyone is pretty much still in their own borough like there's no like crossover yet and at the cool herc hasn't met grandmaster flash really you know bambada pops up a few places but um the the thing that i one of the things i absolutely loved which is such a it it reminds you of something and i think that's probably one of the reasons he put it in also it is historical is one of the guys can't do some of the shows because he has a curfew yeah and it reminds (laughs) you play late these guys are all kids yeah they're really really young they're living at home they are in school they do this all on their own time they it's this very young movement. Um, but that yeah, like Russell was an old man. He was like 24 at this time. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it, it's a very interesting world. Um, going back to visuals. The one thing, the reason I didn't like the, the color specifically, it was the color usage. Mm-hmm. It is, it did evoke the time period for sure. And that is a good reflection. But I just always think of hip hop as being so colorful mm. that I kind of, it felt a little washed out. And I know that was part of the point. But for me, I was like, oh, I want to see this in like, I want to see this in Baz Luhrmann color, but I want this mm. guy you doing want this the story. story. Yeah. 
I don't need made up characters. The real ones are interesting enough. So, and I like seeing like he he does go down every sort of corridor. Like when in the reread, I don't know if this. I did get into a little bit of the second issue. Um, I don't know, but I don't remember this happened in the first or the second, where he dealt a little more with graffiti and mm-hmm. mentions like the first photographers who were really into it. One of which was Martha Cooper. Right. Like I follow Martha Cooper on Instagram. Like this is still you know, a person that's like, she still tours the world. Just, you know, she makes her living taking photos of graffiti. She tours the world doing it. Yeah. And, you know, to get insight into like, at one time, she was just like a freelancer Mm -hmm. who was the only person in this like weird, wild time when like nobody cared about this stuff. And Mm -hmm. she was the only one who did. And now she's made her career out of it. That's, I like seeing, so I like seeing like, you know, Fab, getting the real story about, because I don't think I ever really knew how somebody like Fab Five Freddy really like, came up yeah or like you know running with basquiat and like the new wave crowd and things like that and things like how um the the domino effect of history right so someone who's been playing in the park gets picked up to play in clubs well now there's a vacancy in that park right and who vies for that and who gets it and the reason why that's all fascinating and then yeah like there was a battle between flash and i think he only had three mcs at that time yeah and like the funky four and the Funky Four just got, like, demolished yeah. in the battle. But, like, one of them impressed Flash enough that he was like, yeah, you roll with us now. Yeah. And, like, the kind of, you're just starting to see the crossover as these as the battle culture starts to come into it. So, like, that that was all really fascinating. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I am surprised. Like I said, this was kind of a, oh, God, I need to give her something. And I always kind of <laughs> like this. And I haven't even read it all because it's super dense and it's like it's an afternoon i i really do think i'm going to i will definitely reread the first one um because there was a lot i didn't pick up on um this came to mind and this sounds really weird but we don't talk a lot about the history of comic books or Mm. not the history sorry the the future of comic books um we talk a lot about like the history and and that kind of stuff and Mm. what we sort of what got us into comic books but not where comic books is going I've had this idea for a while. Um, This kind of comic book, I think, would be really neat as something that was a a digital medium, specifically. Mm. Um, Because if you could put in... And this is, like, from a, like, publishing, teaching, historical perspective. If you could put in links to people and to music samples... Yeah, like make a motion comic out of it. Yeah, sort of thing. this would be insane. <laughs> um, it would be. It would. Hey, get at me, any of the major <laughs> publishers out there. Fan of graphics, get at get at Caitlin McKinnon. We'll make this happen. I'm for putting you. this on the board. I'm just. It's there. It's on the board. For those of you okay. who don't know, the board is all the money we're owed <laughs> for, uh, all, for all the good ideas we have on this show. Yeah, um, but anyways, yeah, I really really enjoyed it. Um, kick punches. I'm gonna say it's an eight. Cool. Um, the only reason it doesn't get more than that is because um, of the visuals, which I know is just a, my personal taste. But um, I can see how it can be a bummer. Yeah. even when it's – the collected editions are in a larger format. Like you see them in a bookstore and they are like, yeah. you know, broadsheet sized. They're huge. Mm-hmm. So you think, oh my god, I can't wait to see this blown up like this. And it's still kind of a bummer when you open it up and it is that – still that muted color very orangey yeah. brownish kind of yeah. it's like there's an orange filter on it's like there's an instagram yeah. filter over everything it's yeah it's 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 um almost a sepia it's a it's a 1970s sort of sepia 
what are those color that color that those fridges that everyone had <laughs> it was like marigold or something <laughs> and then there's the greeny one that was awful it was like, your mom's tupperware yeah looks like that yeah um also shouts to ed piscor for giving me props on uh on twitter once because i he did a very he did one of the hip-hop variant covers mm-hmm. for marvel he did an x-men cover a la camp Lowe's up down saturday night uh, amazing and it was a really dope cover and i gave him props and i was basically just like make this a poster immediately and he was like <laughs> like retweet um so yeah that is out there um you can probably like if you're dedicated, you can probably go to Boing Boing and read a bunch of them. Yeah. Just go to Boing Boing and in their search engine type Hip Hop Family Tree. Read a bunch of them there. I'm sure Ed Pisker has a website with ample samples. <laughs> that rhymed. <laughs> that you can check out. Or, like I said, the the gorgeous box sets of the uh, collected editions. I think they run about 60 bucks. Um, you can peep those as well. And listen, even if you think you know, even if you're a you love this story and you've watched the get down and you know the story or you learned it from the get down. If you think you know everything, you do not know everything. This guy has gotten so deep down so many alleys that I didn't even know existed. And I have read a lot of this stuff. So it's, it's a crazy good read and I'm amped. You liked it. Yeah. All All right. right. Moving Moving on. on. Moving on to the third man. He's the third, the third man. So the third man is, I got to put this out there, is one of the best movies of all time. Not just in my opinion, my wonderful, amazing opinion, but in like the world's opinion. Um, it was uh, directed by Sir Carol Reed. Um, he's He did a lot of noir movies, which the third man is like, you want one noir movie, you pick the third man. That is like the noir movie. You're going to need to situate this for me. I will. After your preamble. But. I will. Um, so uh, Sir Carol Reed had, had, has also done Our Man in Havana, um, The Agony and the Ecstasy. He also directed um, Oliver! Exclamation point, the famous 1968 musical. Word. <laughs> uh, which won, he won an Academy Award for that for Best Director. Um, the Third Man was made in uh, 1949. It was not based off of, but um, Graham Greene wrote the screenplay. He also uh, wrote a novella to sort of work out the mood of the movie beforehand. Um he Graham Greene also so novella came, sorry no, novella came after movie. yeah, yeah kind of after script before movie yeah okay. kind of it's a weird situation but basically he'd only done it he didn't actually expect it to get published mm. it was just sort of so he could work out the he really did work out the mood he wanted first before writing the story mm-hmm. um uh he also Graham Greene also written tons of stuff he's thought of as one of the best novelists of the 20th century but the end of the affair also our man in havana which as i mentioned um uh reed turned into a film um he wrote a lot about spies and you know uh, private eyes and all that jazz the movie the third man is situated in uh post-world war ii vienna uh which is very important because vienna at that time was a haven for people trying to get into the black market. Vienna was split up into four sections, um, which was uh, each of the regions was kind of uh, taken over by um, one of the allies. So one section was American, one was British, one was French, one was Soviet. Um, And the sort of the, 
agencies at work here left sort of gaps where people, a lot of black market activity happened. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Um, the film centers on the character of um, uh, Holly Martins. I'm just going to call him Martins from here on out, which is played by Joseph Cotton. Joseph Cotton was in lots of of these types of movies in that time. And Orson Welles, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to mer- uh, uh, mention some of the other characters, but Orson Welles plays Harry Lyme. The reason Orson Welles is important is because uh, by this time, Orson Welles had already done Citizen Kane, um, and some other well-known movies. This is like fat Elvis, Orson Welles, right? Like <laughs> not, it, not, not totally, totally, not but totally, I mean like, but we're getting to fat Elf- Elvis, Orson Welles. Yeah. So, What's really important right now is that Carol Reed absolutely adored Orson Welles' stuff. He took a lot of influence from Citizen Kane. This movie is a great example of the use of sort of expressionist filmmaking. Um, it uses black and white really well. It uses really harsh lighting. Um, it 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 does something uh, uses a lot something called the Dutch angle, um, which was used in expressionist film and Orson Welles used, which was a very skewed angle of photography underneath a lot. Uh, under, yes, a lot? Okay. underneath. Um, and it sort of almost made the world a little topsy turvy. Mm. Use that quite a lot in the third man. The story, as I mentioned, centers around this, this Martin's character who is a American Pulp Fiction writer, um, which comes to play quite a bit and, is a kind of there's sort of like a, a fourth wall reference type thing in that um, the reason this movie was written was because Graham Greene had gone to Vienna, got show shown by a, a woman there, the sort of the underground sewers, all these different places, some some clubs, um, was told all about what was going on in Vienna at the time, and came up with this sort of idea for this story, and then. Uh, Martin's in the film mentions when someone asks what his next story is about is the third man based on a real story kind of thing. Um, yes. So there's he's kind of more, put himself... More about that scene in general in a, in a moment. Yeah. Uh, so kind of there's a weird uh, intertextuality there. Um, leave your leave your quarters on the on the <laughs> counter. <laughs> Um, this is one of those films that I, yes, I did happen to study in university. <laughs> Surprise. I, I, I kind of developed this love of noir film and just sort of film in general when I was in university. It was actually, I think I mentioned this in one of the other episodes we did. I like almost dropped my major to go into film. Um, but I was like, what was I, what am I going to do in film? I'm just gonna, I just enjoy film. I'm not actually going to be able to make a career out of it. Um, so the other main characters of the story are, um, Anna Schmidt, who is Harry Lime's girlfriend, um, who was played by Alita Valley. Um, and uh, Major uh, Calloway, who was played by Trevor Howard. Um, the novella is actually narrated by Calloway, oh, so it? it gives a very different viewpoint to the story. Um, but it it wouldn't. I don't think it would have worked in the movie. Anyways, the story centers around Martins, who comes uh, to Vienna because he's been offered a job by. Uh, his friend Harry Lime, longtime friend, longtime friend from childhood. Um, when he gets there, he finds out L- uh, Lime has just been killed by a traffic accident. Whoops! There's a lot. There are a lot of details. There are a lot of back and forth. A lot to get into. So I'm going to do one of those things where I don't go super into details. But basically, 
he starts to find out that maybe Harry... He suspects chicanery. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, Harry Lime did not die by a traffic accident. Maybe it wasn't an accident at all. As the story progresses, you find out more about Harry Lime, that he was working in the black market, and you learn more about Harry Lime's character. And then you learn, surprise, surprise, Harry Lime is actually not even dead. Nope. Um, he's faked his own death and is trying to to escape, basically. Um, and there's a lot of chasing going on and <laughs> lots of guns. A lot of running. Yeah, a lot of running. What did you think about the film? So as always, whenever Caitlin gives me one of these is where I like just totally expose my cultural ignorance because, you know, not a film guy. Mm-hmm. Not a capital F. This is like second week in a row for capital <laughs> F. Capital F film. And I'm not a capital F film guy. My appreciation of this movie will be determined by whether or not you can answer the question of how first was this? Oh, it was pretty first. So maybe not the first noir, but like... It wasn't the first noir, no. It was not. And again, as mentioned, Orson Welles had broken a lot of ground there Mm. and had some other directors. But this was one of the, I guess, more noir-y, tighter... It it sort of paved the way for a lot of what we think of as noir in Mm. film. Um, Again, the the use of angles, the use of the... This came out 49, you said? 49, yeah. Mm. Um, The use of the camera shots and... um, the story itself and the acting the acting i think is really good um the acting was okay in story for 49 the <laughs> acting was really good I, I mean like this is the thing you are crazy you love old-timey movies yes i do not really there's just something about the the way they spoke in movies back then like oh, the way actors spoke you're I either love it you're either with that or you're not oh, i'm not really so with, with it that. something about the audio fidelity of the time mm-hmm. i can never really like hear it <laughs> there's always like a <laughs> It's always like a hiss and the microphones weren't that good. So I'm always like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> and the audio was pretty good on this one, but I had it uh, pretty loud on my laptop. And then that goddamn zither, zither music would come in. Oh, see, funny enough, I didn't mention the zither music. So much zither music, um, y'all. That, that soundtrack, the soundtrack reached number one. Um, because... <laughs> y'all were wilding out. In the 50s, yeah. <laughs> um, because... And that and that artist who who did the score actually became really well known because of this zither soundtrack. <laughs> Fucking zither superstar, yo. Yeah, um, it's very loud. So even though you know I, those are usually barriers to entry for me for old timey movies, this didn't really have that. Um, story fun, not super sophisticated, and to my sense, in as much as like. Orson Welles is on the title card. You don't see him for like an hour and 20 minutes. Which is, makes it one of the it's best like, things. It's like, okay, y'all keep talking about Harry Lyme and I haven't seen Orson Welles yet. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> Pretty sure Orson Welles is Harry Lyme. And listen, me being me, I just keep expecting him <laughs> to tell Pinky it was this. They were going to do the same thing they did every night. Oh, dear. Dutch had peace and prosperity for 400 <laughs> years. You know what they got, Pinky? The cuckoo clock. Um, <laughs> it was a terrible horse It was. It was a good speech, though. I did like that part. Um, no, I was, from like a narrative perspective, I didn't think this was like high art story-wise. It was fun enough. And the scene. So, okay. So, yeah. He gets there. He's been promised a job. He has no money. No. Um, this is Hollis. Holly. 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 
Holly, what was the last name? Martins. Holly Martins. Martins. Martins gets there. He's been promised a job. He's got no money. The guy who promised him a job is dead. He's kind of hanging out with the cops. The cops are trying to, like, shove him off. It should be said, yeah, Kate, Caitlin said the, uh, so Vienna is divided up into, you know, quarters, according to Allied Powers. And then there's, like, the middle area, which is where a lot of the black market stuff happens, and is also, like, governed, you know, monitored by, like, an international coalition. So yeah. you have, like, in the police building for that area, there's, like, British military and Russian agents, and mm-hmm. they're all kind of working in the same the same area. So, you know, Martins doesn't think things look proper. He suspects chicanery. Yes. Um, doesn't quite get why they're so eager to push him out. Oh, yeah. And there's all constantly people being like, you should leave Vienna. <laughs> you need to get the fuck out. And But he is loyal to his friend, who he wants to know what happens. But he has no money, so how does he manage to stay there? Well, this... I don't remember his name, but he uh, he kind of yeah. like runs a literary salon type yes. of thing. And he sponsors artists, and he hosts artists type of thing. And all they kind of get word is that he's a writer. And one of these British cops is like, oh, I love his work. It's like, his books are so great, blah, blah, blah. So thinking that he's like a highfalutin novelist, <laughs> they, it's like, they offer to host him and basically give him room and board. And, you know, three square a day. If he, uh, you know, goes to one of their meetings and kind of holds court for this literary salon. Yeah. Um, not just a thrown away plot point. Like at one point, kind of played for suspense because there's a moment he goes back to his hotel and there's this shady guy hanging around type of thing. And he looks he looks real surly. And I don't know at what point in his, you know, amateur junior detective investigation Martins <laughs> is at at this point. But <laughs> he comes back and he's trying to get somewhere and he's like, I need a car. And the concierge is like well this guy's been waiting for you already he's like cool let's go and i was immediately starting to think this is going to be one of those like suspense movies that depends on the incompetence of the people of the characters yeah right like there's a lot of movies where like you get your suspense that the people are just are terrible at their jobs yeah it's like why are you just blindly getting into this car and of course the car is going to peel away and i think it's something sinister no it's this literary salon he's totally forgotten about this meeting he's supposed to go to mm-hmm. totally ill-prepared yep <laughs> goes goes in there they're trying to ask him about like stream of consciousness and james joyce and they ask him, <laughs> they ask him like who's your what authors inspire you and he's like zane gray and the host is like oh no it's just a little joke like i loved i thought that scene for the time was like so kind of advanced like yeah. this meta deconstruction of pulp fiction and high art versus low art type of thing just shoved into the middle of this noir movie which is kind of yeah it's this self-referencing you know, we we kind of badmouth these this art form, which is hey, it's kind of like wrestling. Like you yeah. badmouth this art form, but people really enjoy Pulp Fiction, and we get great movies from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, noir was a pulp art as well. So, and with the use of these, you know, the juxtaposition of these, like what was it, the the Dutch oven. <laughs> <laughs> I know Dutch cut, Dutch angle, whatever. Dutch angle. The use of the Dutch angle, the use of the lighting. Um, you're, the, you're elevating this low art form. The shot of, uh, when you first see Harry Lyme with the yes. light, that's actually one of the most famous shots in yes. film history. Um, he's just so adorable. He is. Chubby, he's a chubby, rat. chubby I know. cheek or I got, I got the, I got the cheeks. I know. Uh, <laughs> Caitlin's got them Wellesian cheeks. <laughs> so, I mean, for not being a lover of old timey movies, I was surprised at, there were still some things I found laughable. Um, but. You know, it wasn't overacted. No, in a way, a lot of old time. Oh movies yeah, the are... ni- the movies from the nineteen thirties are always a treat. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of 
a lot of gasping, a lot of a lot of proclaiming and such, and that that weird you know New England slash English accent that all <laughs> all actors had back then. Um, it's actually a theory about that. I remember hearing about an article once that explained why why they talk like that in old movies, and it has to do with how they were how that class was educated. But right. anyway, um, yeah, there were still some things I found laughable, like. <laughs> Toddlers are really great at uh, inciting angry mobs <laughs> yep. in 1940s Vienna. Yep. <laughs> so, one point, somebody dies. Martins and uh, they're the concierge and Fro Fräulein Schmidt are uh, yep. are you know observing. And this kid who had seen Martins in the building earlier just starts yelling something in German. <laughs> He's like, "They were fighting before." And, and and Anna is that her name? Yeah. Anna's like. Oh, they think you did it. And they just kind of like back away. And the kid, the toddler is just like chasing them <laughs> down the streets. It's like, you guys can't shake a toddler. Like, <laughs> They're fast motherfuckers, right? It's like, goddamn. You turn around um, one second, all of a sudden they've got purple crayon all up in their mouth. <laughs> also, bear in mind, I have not slept yet. Watched it this morning on the bus. A little drowsy. So there may be some points I missed. Why did Harry Lyme keep exposing himself? What do you mean? Like when he first shows up. Yeah. Why did he, why did he show up? <laughs> Why was he there? Um, I think was he there was... some sort of thin thing about he thought he could get Martins on board. Yeah, with his, and his he... so the thing is, Harry Lyme, a horrible human being. Oh, awful human being! And I think one thing I do like with that movie is they do talk a lot about what the repercussions of the black market are. Yeah. So Harry's scam is uh, he had a hookup in a military hospital that was stealing penicillin. This is post-war. Supplies are not abundant no. by any means. So he's stealing penicillin, watering it down, super diluting, diluting it, it and you know, selling it back to hospitals. Yeah, um, which means kids with meningitis are getting are severe da- brain damage, get, not getting enough medication. Um, you got to be in that is some super villainy type of shit right yeah. there. Um, it's probably one of the points of the movie that I get so angry with is is Anna. But anyways, y- yeah. Because Anna sticks an- by him. That's another issue. No matter what. And um, I'm like, he's evil. Like, she knew everything he was up to? Yeah. Like, so, ultimately, you know, Martins ends up turning on his friend because he sees these, like, brain-damaged, dying children in the hospital. And he's mm-hmm. like, okay, he's an asshole. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I grew up with you and I love you, but you are on some scandalous shit. He keeps trying to, like, woo Anna and make sure she's okay. And Anna's like, meh, fuck you. Yeah. Snitch. And... And the movie ends at Harry Lyme's second funeral, and he tries to, like, get her attention, or he waits for her, and she just walks right past her, which Wikipedia tells me was not the ending in the uh, in the novella. No, it was not. Graham Greene wanted them to... have a ha- It's actually one of the only fights they had. Wander off happily, and yes, K- Carol Reed, was that his name? Yes. Was like, nope. Nope. And Selznick, the producer, legendary producer David O. Selznick, both him and him and the director, wanted the uh, the bummer ending well not bummer ending because she was kind of useless but but the more reasonable ending yeah she just kind of ignores him and walks off yeah and green did relent that they were right and this is one of my this I, this is funny that it comes up again this this movie really it's one of my favorite movies but this movie did not need a romance <laughs> no it really didn't there did they just try to keep on wedging them in there and i don't care i don't care um have ladies in the film Bruh, doing she, she told you as much at like the halfway point like yeah. when you showed up drunk giving her flowers and he's like i could stand on my head and blow bubbles out my ass and i still wouldn't stand a chance yeah. he didn't say about the bubbles but but yeah 
Uh, I still wouldn't stand a chance, would I? And she's just like, oh. No. I love Harry Lime. I love Lime. Harry Lime. Where's that name come from? Who's ever been called Lime? But anyway, um, there are people who do have a tendency towards noirish things. It's just yes. an aesthetic they like. And if this is an aesthetic you like and you have never seen the third band, yeah, go, absolutely go out and see it. Yeah. Um, and if you like mysteries and detective-y things, this is for you. I kind of. Like, like I said, it's it's the... Uh, I hope Orson got paid well for this. It's like the it's like the Brando and Apocalypse Now thing. It's like you're on all the posters, but you're in like two scenes, <laughs> two thirds through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and so was he the third man? What Harry Lime? Yeah, yeah, because it comes from when he. So did. they were carrying the body of the hospital worker. Yeah. Okay, that was not clear to me at the time. When the well, because that that's when the person was like, oh, there wasn't the, the two- first lead. Martin's gets yeah. is that there's sort of these two weirdos who apparently friends of Lyme's these two weirdos who some doc, Dr. Vinkler and the Kurtz was that his name the uh, violin playing weirdo with the dog mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the official story had it as like you know Harry got hit by a car and these were the two who carried him to the curb and then and Harry like gave him information like look after my friend who's coming and my girlfriend <laughs> yes um and the first piece of info that maybe that doesn't square with that story is the, yes, this uh, concierge at the boarding house that the superintendent or whatever at the boarding house Harry lived at distinctly says, I saw a third man. Yeah. That's where the third man comes from. Um, and it was not really clear to me by the end of the movie who the third man was. And if Harry was the third man, whose body were they carrying? But yeah. It was the hospital worker. Or someone. Yeah. Someone. All right. Well, they open up the tomb and they f- and they're like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. All right. Yeah, that'll work. Eh, it's like seven point five. Okay. Oh. All right. I was expecting like a six or a five or something. No. I mean, listen, I'm graded on a curve because, like I said, I'm not old timey film guy, but <laughs> film with a little f. I understood all the words. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good. Had maybe a little too much old ladies screeching in German or two year old toddlers screeching in German. <laughs> There's never too much screeching in German. Caitlin is all about German screeching. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's... I don't know if that's streaming anywhere. Probably. Criterion's got it. So oh, there's yeah. A, it's around. It's around. I'm sure you can find it streaming somewhere. Updates. Do we have anything? I may have watched the entire first season of Outlander. Oh, um, shit. And, like... That came out of nowhere. Yeah. It Well, last week, I went home. I was going home. And I was like, oh watch something and i may have watched something like 14 hours of television in a very small amount of time um which is not i don't usually binge that much you make your panties percolate i hear that's a panty um, percolator i can't watch people have sex on tv so i actually just fast forwarded through all the i actually fast forwarded through like big chunks of episodes <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fast forwarding a lot of sex in that that show a lot of humping um battlestar galactica guy running this isn't he? Ronald D. Moore? Isn't oh, that the I, I don't know. I, I haven't watched Battlestar Galactica. Uh, That's one of the series I have not watched. Uh, um, everyone tells me to, but I just haven't got around to it. Um, and there's also a lot of torture in the series, so I also oh. skipped through all of that. So there's like an entire, like, maybe three to four episodes that I just, like, <laughs> skipped over, basically. It was 14 hours, but it was really, like, eight. Yeah, because I skipped over a lot of stuff. Um, They're on third season? Yes, third season's about to um, start. We got to the first episode of the second season, and I was like, I overdid it. I overdid Outlander. <laughs> and after a while, you're like, 
there's just a lot of like rape and torture and people being awful to each other because it's the 1700s. Um, oh, Lord. Yeah. So, but hey, if you like burly Scottish men, this series is for you. Also, time travel. Also, time travel. Yeah, and and her being like Doctor Quinn, medicine woman. <laughs> like actually, though. Actually. Yeah, and witches. <laughs> Take this Advil I had in my purse when I fell through the time portal. Yeah. And suddenly, I'm treated like a goddess. <laughs> yeah, like. Honestly, like she just knows all the things. It saves her many, many times. Uh, so that's it. So you're not going to stick with it, or you aren't going to stick with it, or you're just going to uh, take a pause for a minute before you get back to I'll it. Probably take a pause. I don't know if we'll get back into it. We yeah. might. We'll see. They're in France now. <laughs> that's it, though. Nothing else. I, uh, nope. Don't no. think so. All right. Uh, I have caught up on all the available monstrous. Ah. Post post the trade. Uh, and all the available Flintstones, which, to my horror, I was informed is apparently ending at issue 12. <gasps> That's too bad. Um, there, was a, there was a tragic death in the Flintstones this month. Don't tell me who. Okay. Um, and yeah, have you been keeping up with Monstrous? Or did you uh, just I think I only got through the... What are they on now? I think it was 9 or 10. Yeah, I think I only got, got to 4 or 5. Oh, damn, girl. Yeah, I know. Hey, I told you I have been busy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, still good. Still frustratingly inconsistent in the art sometimes, but still, still dope ass book. Still good with the world building and all that. Uh, yeah, you could do a lot worse than, uh, than checking out Monstrous or the Flintstones. And the only other thing I watched was a thing I stumbled onto, uh, called Review, which, uh, you know, sorry to the people who pay $5 a month for show previews, but it is something Caitlin will definitely be getting yes. next week. I just heard I'm totally late on it. I just, it's a Comedy Central show that just wrapped up its run. I had just found out about it. I watched a few episodes and went, hot damn, this will be my Easter my Easter weekend <laughs> binge. And uh, yeah, so Caitlin will, will be getting that next week. And I'll probably get to the get down at some point. Oh, and I watched uh, Louie's last special. Oh, how was that? It was all right. It was all right. I know Louie's like, you know, he's a genius, you know, whatever. But I don't know. I find him kind of samesy after a while. Like, Yeah his tone and his delivery he's i mean he's, he's tight and polished right and mm-hmm. there's i do think as problematic as those Chappelle specials were at some point the the looseness and and flying without the net of a Chappelle performance yeah i feel like is a has a little more appeal to my comedic sensibilities so yeah that's all that's all i got all right well i think that's the end of the episode all right i guess we'll get out of here then what? If you would like to get at us for any reason, as said at the top, you can do that on our socials at GeekdownPod on Twitter. You can email us geekdownpod at gmail.com or you can hit us up at the Facebook group, which is at www.facebook.com forward slash geekdownpod. Get at us on there. Caitlin swears she'll be more communicative. I will be. I have been. Have you? I think so. I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> we'll say I have because you don't know. <laughs> yeah. How, how the hell would I know? Anyway, thank you so much for joining us for a very long meandering episode, friends. I don't think it was meandering. You think we stayed on point? I think, yeah. We right. had a lot of points. <laughs> so many points. So many points. Thank you for staying with us through all of those points, friends. And we hope you'll be back with us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Pod. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And we will be back next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Pod. See you guys then. Welcome to the Geek Down Podcast. <laughs> Smile coming through on my voice. <laughs> the- Bella Lugosi fish hooks just under my gums. Just- yeah.